0: was comparing wisdom to gold. He was comparing it with the most valuable thing that most people think of that's on earth, gold. Proverbs sixteen sixteen. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold and to get understanding rather than silver. Proverbs 4, 5, and 6. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love love her, and she shall keep thee. Psalm 32, verse 8 and 10. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. This is not talking about salvation here, I don't think. This is talking about the way he wants us to lead our lives. I will counsel you and watch over you. Verse 10, many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man or woman who trusts in him. I only got about ten more pages. Psalm, Psalm twenty-five, uh, verse nine. He guides the humble, humble in what is right, and teaches them his way. Now, this denotes a decision here. The word I have underlined here is humble. He guides the humble. Well, who are the humble? The humble are those that are willing to listen. Now we're all hard headed. Maybe some of us are more hard headed than others, you know. But we all are hard headed. We all want to do what we want to do when we want to do it at our speed, at our convenience, and everything. But when we humble ourselves before God, and we're willing to let him guide us. Then things are going to start to click for us in a way that is truly a miracle. You know, I I, I, hate, I hate to keep referring I, I hate to keep referring back to myself, but I am only referring to myself in the context of what the Lord has done for me. You know, you know, I can't get over it. The Lord has blessed me so much. I just I can't get over it. The preacher and I will talk sometimes and he feels the same way. We'll we'll kid each other. No, he's done more for me than he does for you. But that willingness is what matters. James 1.5 If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Psalm 119 verse 11 Thy word have I hid in my heart, That I might not sin against thee. Proverbs 24, 3. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established. Now, this is not talking about a physical house. This is talking about our house, our relationship with God. Now, here's a good one Proverbs 28, verse 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool. <laughs> that's that's pretty, pretty basic language, isn't it? But he who walks in wisdom is kept, is kept safe. Does that mean you're not going to have troubles in the world, in your life? No, it doesn't mean that. It does, however, mean that God's going to provide that joy in our life. Whatever comes our way. We know God's going to take care of us. If we trust in him, he's going to take care of us. Times may get rough, he'll bring us out. Okay, Proverbs 24, 14. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. If, here's another decision, if you find it. How do you you find it? Well, you have to seek it. It's not just going to drop out of the sky on you. You have to be dedicated enough. You have to make a decision to seek, this, seek God's wisdom. I didn't finish reading that scripture. Know also that wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, there is a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. You know, I could stand here for days, reading scriptures out of the Bible that talk about wisdom. I mean, there's just a ton of them. And uh, I, it is my hope that everyone here, all the youth of the church, everyone, will make time to read this for yourself. That's what that pastor friend of mine told me. He says people will tell you everything in the world's in the Bible. He says read it for yourself. That way you'll know. And and also, in the scripture I mentioned up here a minute ago, the Holy Spirit reminds us of what we've heard. Well, if we haven't heard it or haven't read it, then it's going to be tough for Him to remind us. Okay final two scriptures I'm going to read from Proverbs are, probably uh, these are well-recognized but very important. And it's a philosophy of how to spend your life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy path. Isn't that great? I've got four other sayings that lead to wisdom. Now these aren't exactly scriptures, but uh, you could, if I, if you took the time, you can find some scriptures that would back every one of these up. Now these are some of the rarest statements that you will ever hear even around the church, very, very rare words. And here they are. I was wrong. How long has it been since you heard that one? Number two, I don't know. Number three, I need help. And number four, the rarest of them all. I am sorry." Okay, so let's talk about practical wisdom. I've talked about wisdom a lot. It's kind of amazing to me the preach or pastor has been uh, including wisdom for many of the uh, sermons that that he's had recently. And, uh, you know, I appreciate him sharing the word with me. I learn from him all the time. And uh, Brother David today was mentioning wisdom. This must be important. We must, we must supposed to be getting this. So let's talk a little bit about practical wisdom. I'm a very practical guy. I like to know about what actually is happening. You know, doctrine's great. We all need to know it and everything. But I want some practical things that will teach me to do what I need to do. Okay? So practical wisdom that are that's taught in the Bible. You know, I'm not too tech savvy as some of my relatives can probably attest to. But, you know, I hear a term uh, and there's an app for that you know you all hear that you know there's an app for this there's an app for that well i'm going to modify that a little bit and say well there's a scripture for that and um so we're going to talk about some real practical things here uh hopefully it uh, might help someone, especially a younger person. I wish somebody had set me down when I was a teenager and told me some of these things. Probably would have saved me some grief. Okay, we've already talked about the right relationship with God. If you don't have the right relationship with God, all bets are off. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have. If you're still hearing that voice that's drawing you to Him, All you have to do is respond. And then you can flow right into the rest of this we're talking about. The right relationship with God. The right relationship with His Word. The right relationship with His Holy Spirit by being led. And the next topic is our relationship with others. Now this is a big Matthew seven twelve, you know, the golden rule, really simple. That's the one thing that amazes me in the Bible. Some of these scriptures are very short, but they're very profound. They're, they, they really get to the, to the heart of the matter. Do to others what you would have them to do to you. Isn't that real simple? You know, we've heard that all our lives. But, you know, do we always apply it? First John, John four twenty one. And this command, have, have we from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother also. And there's another scripture that talks about how can we love God who we haven't seen if we don't know, love our brother who we see all the time. Being at peace with others helps keep peace in your own life. Now, I don't know about you, but I hate drama. You know, I don't want any any drama in my life is too much. I don't like it. It's bad for you. Drama's bad for you. It tears you up inside. You don't need it. If you keep doing the Bible says, as much as it depends upon you to be at peace with others. Okay, the Bible teaches about marriage. It is my belief that people who are part of a Christian home are the happiest people on earth. A loving Christian spouse is a gift from God. Now, Leonard back there told me the other day that, uh, He and Shirley had been married for 64 years. And you can look at them and tell that they're happy. And I'm sure he would say that his wife was a gift from God. The Bible teaches about mutual respect. If you love your mate more than you love yourself and would never do anything to hurt them, and they return that kind of love, then you're going to have a happy marriage. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Now I know most of you probably know what a yoke is, but for those, uh, the younger people here that may not exactly know what it is, I'm going to explain it a little bit. You know, I've seen one, a yoke, uh, in use a time or two at a reenactment. But it's a thing that's way in the past. A yoke is a big piece of wood that goes across the neck of two animals. And And it has another piece of wood that comes under their neck. And it, in effect, harnesses those two animals together, which can be a very good thing the reason for that is you can hook something to that yoke like a rope and you harness the strength of both of those animals they're side by side they're pulling parallel it gives them twice the strength okay but what happens if one animal tries to go one way and the other animal tries to go the other way all progress ceases. Now this verse I just read, some people I think misinterpret that. They th- There's another scripture that Jim and I failed to find that talks about, you know, does that does that scripture mean that we can't have friends that aren't Christians? Of course not. What that scripture says, to the best of my memory, is that in order not to associate with the world or the people of the world, we'd have to leave it, right? And if we never associated with someone that wasn't a Christian, how could we win them to the Lord? The deal is we influence them, not they influence us. If we are to put on the yoke of marriage, and maybe that's not a good term to, to, to use about being married, but if we're, if we're to put on the yoke of marriage, we want somebody that's pulling in the same direction we are. The combined strength, God's plan for us, allows a couple to pull together through the good and bad times and enjoy life together. Now let's talk a little bit now about leading a productive life. I better hurry. The Bible tells us there's a time to grow up. 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man or woman, I put childish ways behind me. Getting ready for life. 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands. Working with your mind is okay too. Learn a good work ethic. You know, that's the thing it's about in the past. But there's another scripture in the Bible that says if you're working for somebody and you're slack, you're not doing your job, it's the same thing as stealing from them. Now, that was the thing that was taught to me early in life. I'm sure most of you have thought that too. You know, you're cheating a guy if you're working for him and you're not doing your job. Okay, as, as a person becomes, as, as they mature, as they're a teenager and stuff, they get tired of being told what to do. It's just a part of nature. It's just, it's just part of growing up. If you're tired of being told what to do all the time, Keep this in mind the better education you get the more skills you learn the more choices you're going to have you're going to have and the happier you will be now the last one of the last ones I'm talking about going to talk about here is money there's a scripture for that you've heard the term money can't buy happiness but You won't be too happy for long if you don't have enough money to buy what you need. Another scripture for that. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse worse than an unbeliever. So God expects us to work, to provide for what we need. The right attitude toward money. This is a tough one, but it's very important. Number one, supporting your church, which is helping to spread the gospel to a lost world. It's also providing a place for your children to learn about God, the most important thing you can teach them. And God asked us to test him in this. Malachi 3.10 Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he says these very words, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. And you know, I believe that if you talk to anybody that's made a practice of tithing their money over their lives, I think that they will grieve this wholeheartedly. You cannot outgive God. Now, being responsible with money. Tim Thomas and I were talking about this the other day. It's, it's kind of uh, like a drug in our society today. Don't fall into the trap of debt. Proverbs 22.7 The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant of the lender. And in this day and age, it's not only servant, it can be the slave of the lender. The world plays rough. Don't ever be deceived the world, big corporations, the the one percenters, they want to suck you into that debt because that's why they're the one percenters. They're making money off of people that are not wise enough to not fall into that trap. Here's Here's a simple plan for our finances. Pay your tithe first, pay your bills next, Buy what you need, save some money for future emergencies, and what's left you can enjoy or choose to share with someone in need. You know, some people that don't learn this, if their refrigerator goes out, they're in big trouble. They have not put money back for those kinds of emergencies. And as they say on the commercials about it's not... It's not when, it's not if, it's when. You're going to have these things come up. And it's a very comforting feeling to know that you've set aside some money for when these things come up. Okay. The last thing I'm going to talk about is enjoy life. Ecclesiastes uh, 5 verse 19-20. When God gives any man wealth, and here I don't think it's talking about being rich. I think it's talking about a comfortable living. When God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, this is a gift from God. He seldom reflects on the days of his life Because God keeps him occupied with gladness of heart. Gladness of heart. That's happiness. That's joy. That's peace. So enjoy life. Have time for God. Have time for your spouse and family. Have time for yourself. And learn how to spell joy. Now, this is not original with me. I heard it a long time ago, but it's pretty good. Joy. J O Y. And the way you remember how to spell that is Jesus first, J, Jesus first, O, others next, and Y, yourself last. Do that and you will have a good life. I'm going, to, I'm, not, I'm going to close this down right now, and I thank you all for your attention. Uh, I didn't get to the last point about um, attending church, how important it is, what it means to me. We have a great uh, opportunity to learn from others. I learn from people here in this church all the time. So I uh, thank you for listening. Let's have a prayer, and... Uh, Randy, I guess. Um, if you don't care, about bow with me. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've helped me uh, stand up here tonight. And I hope that I have, uh, in all ways, exalted you, not myself, in any way. I just praise you for your goodness and mercy. I thank you again for your word, Lord, It continues to teach me. And I hope that is. It will teach others, Is my prayer, that everyone will make time to read your word. And we just thank you and praise you for everything. Please continue to bless our pastor, bring him home safe. We pray for all our requests.